Give me the ball and I'm gonna kick it. Give me the ball and I'm gonna kick it. Why are you singing? So people will know the book is about soccer, Neil. How else are they gonna know? Well, there is an episode description. Ah, yes, yes. Uh, And that'll mention that the book is about soccer and that the World Cup is starting. Did not think of that. But I like where this is headed. Oh, boy. Welcome to Sports Lit. I'm Neil Acharya. I'm Nathan Sager. Don't worry, I'm not quitting my day job. Today on the program, uh, Dwayne D. Rosario, Dero, My Life with Brendan Dunlop, The Ford by Lennox Lewis. It was released on May 11th, 2021. Both Dwayne and Brendan will join us today to discuss the book. In a build-up to Canada's second appearance at the World Cup, and first and only since 1986, TSN, the World Cup rights holder, chose Dwayne Di Rosario to narrate a video montage introducing the finalized national team's roster. It was a great touch. Dwayne, or Dero as he is known, was the perfect person to voice it. For so long, he had embodied the potential and frustration of soccer in this country. Now, finally... Canada had arrived. Indeed, Dwayne De Rosario was a shoe in last year when Major League Soccer picked the top 25 players from its first 25 seasons. We're talking about a, here's a guy, four-time MLS Cup champion, two-time league MVP, perhaps the first Canadian you heard about getting it done in the in the North American Pro League as an attacking midfielder and forward on winning teams that were raising the bar for a league that was needed in on this side of the world and a league that I think people were skeptical about at first when it launched in the wake of uh, the USA 1994 World Cup. Of course, soccer is all, all about club and country. Uh, Dwayne, when he retired, was the career goals leader for Canada's men's national soccer team before being supplanted during the World Cup qualifying run when Kyle Lahren kept finishing off all those runs down the left side to score timely goals of course scoring is nice but one could always but team success being getting to the world cup is the goal and it could one could t- get the sense it ate away at him and so many players of his vintage that canada was not able to make a world cup his last chance was i guess two cycles ago in the 2014 qualifying and of course what happened he, he was the reigning mls mvp at the time hurt his knee early in a defeat against Panama. And a month later, Canada got a humbling pummeling. Yes, Nate, October 16th, 2012, that 2014 World Cup cycle, as you mentioned, 8-1 away against Honduras in, the, in a hostile environment. It was one of those disastrous games that serves as rock bottom. And from there, you can only go up. And 10 years and one month to the day, the tune is reversed. 
Yeah, and, and indeed, it's in terms of the book, your own Brendan Dunlop released this title a year and a half ago, and it was on our radar the whole time. Uh, now the timing is optimal. The just complications. There were a few books we were unable to get to in 2021. Indeed, that was why in the spring we went out, went back deep into the uh, <laughs> wilderness and and found Les Stroud, Survivor Man, to come on and talk to us. Deep into the uh, Mimico wilderness. Yeah. <laughs> um, Yes, uh, Dero, the four-time Canadian Player of the Year, had accomplished great things in the MLS and always wanted to get Canada over the mountaintop and into the World Cup. And um, no doubt he'll not just want to see them compete, he'll want to see them enter the group stage. Dero is always pushing for more. As we read about in this nearly 200-page autobiography he wrote with broadcaster and soccer analyst Brendan Dunlop. And just a little on Brendan, he's recognizable um, from his time with Sportsnet Central, hosting uh, hosting Sportsnet Central. He also has covered the beautiful game for Fox and won soccer, and he started at the Score Television Network. Indeed, he's a big Aston Villa supporter, I understand. Yes, not AC Milan or Celtic, two of the world-class teams that Dero almost played for. You can read about that in the book. I pondered what I liked so much about the narrative, and it struck me. Around 2007, I had a chance to interview hip-hop legend and actor Ice-T about his incredibly impactful early albums. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, I wrote those albums for the guys sitting across the table that were just like me, that were where, that were where I was from. And that was his, uh, his audience. He wasn't, he wasn't trying to target anyone else. And that's the exact sentiment I got when reading D-Row's book. D-Row makes you come to his level. And, and that's why it works for me. You, you find, about, find out about his world. He's, he's going to tell you about his Guyanese upbringing, how his dad Tony and Auntie Lee, who he calls his angel, raised him in a one-bedroom apartment on Kennedy Road and Eglinton Avenue in Scarborough, which is a Toronto suburb. They showed him love, sometimes tough love, and his dad showed him soccer. Uh, he and his friends called it football, like their immigrant parents. It took him far, farther than it should have internationally, given the perception of Canadian players. You should understand his inner compass drove him from street life to a footballer's life and how he exploded on the MLS stage with focus, fire, and determination. And that other thing he has loads of, talent and confidence. You will read that as a youth in Scarborough, he was a breaker known as Timex, part of Turnstile's crew. They battled on the pavement, and then later his crew, the Boys in Blue, battled other people, other crews physically. It was real roughneck stuff. He drove in stolen cars, and he got shot in the eye. There's also, you know, elements about how, how music was instrumental, instrumental to his life, the sounds of soul, R&B, lovers rock, and reggae, how he and his friends gravitated to basketball in the early 80s and 90s simultaneously with soccer. And this was long before the convenient portrayal of basketball arriving uh, almost unknown in this country before Vince Carter uh, blessed us with this sport. And Nate, as you will mention in a little bit, he's going to tell us, or he, he writes about... Um, how he viewed Ben Johnson, the great or the, the sprinter Ben Johnson, as a great many do under the radar, as someone who inspired them to believe a, Car a Caribbean Canadian that was just like them, even after the steroid fallout of Soul 88. Your narrative isn't D Rose, and it doesn't always represent the people he grew what the people he grew up with, what they saw, and what, how they continue to see things. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, well said. It's a first generation Canadians 
experience set in the greater Toronto area at a, you know that time of uh, you know change in the country I guess in the 80s and 90s we, we explored some of that last year with uh, the track star turned broadcaster Perdita Felicien and the memoir she released my mother's daughter an excellent book an award uh, nominated book uh, for sure I'm I gotta I gotta go back and fact check if she actually did win but it was a it was a really really good book um, and that's exactly it Dwayne is just two years older than Perdita who spent her formative years in Oshawa and Pickering which is you know uh, a, a stone's throw uh, to the east of Scarborough and she she shares the Caribbean heritage uh, though her mom is from St. Lucia certainly as these star athletes of this generation uh, start releasing their life stories we'll increasingly see these glimpses these new glimpses uh, which create a, a new contemporary cultural experience of Canada uh, through this first generation lens hmm. and now on the generational piece it was uh, delightful actually for D-Row to say he he took inspirations from seeing you know Ben Johnson be all, you know, powerful and, and graceful on the world stage when he ran the 100-meter dash in the Olympics, regardless of everything else that happened. Now, why that tickled us so much is because what we do here is a bit of a historical document of Canadian sports that tries to tell it like it is. And if you can excuse me a segue here, if you ever track can track it down, bad pun there, uh, <laughs> speed trap by the late Charlie Francis, who was uh, Ben Johnson's coach and, you know, mentored other Canadian runners in that era. Now, the similarities with uh, Dwayne De Rosario is, and, you know, soccer players of his vintage is that it's just the frustrations of a system that wasn't, you know, ready for the ta talent. Uh, Francis in that book really ripped the lid off some rot in the Canadian sports system as it existed in the 1970s and 80s when he was a, a competitor himself and then and then went into coaching uh now as a nation canada committed to multiculturalism around 1971 and delightful offshoot of that was you know it encouraged uh you know in the long run people trying you know pursuing different sports some having people who whose aptitudes and passions were you know often very many different directions having people who could do a lot of different things but in the coaching community that Charlie Francis was part of, coaches were threatened by that rather than being excited and, and seeing the untapped potential. He took flack and heard all sorts of, you know, garbage for coaching and, and teaching and black athletes that, you know, because, you know, you know, obviously a lot of people, you know, fear the unknown sometimes. And a lot of people were, you know, just happy with keeping their jobs and, you know, a lot of the coaches in Canada were people who had come from, you know, the United Kingdom and had certain, you know, ideas about, you know, just that coaching in Canada. And that's something that, you know, a young Dwayne De Rosario says he encountered in the 90s when he got up to the national team. He wanted to play football with the flair of, you know, the Brazilians. And all these coaches were like, lump it, lump it, which is like the dump and chase in hockey, you know obsolete and, and, and boring, even if it works once in a while. So uh, one upshot of, uh, I think, intellectually of this World Cup qualifying run that's Canada's gone on is it, you know, it put the lie to every bit of apologia that Canada just lacked talent to be a, a good men's football nation. If one ever read Simon Cooper and uh, Stefan Szymanski, the first edition of Soccernomics, they labeled Canada as the second biggest underachiever in international men's soccer 
after the United States. And, well, I mean, it's nice to be above. And we, of course, have to set the bar at, at higher than, well, at least we're not as bad as the Americans. And they do, of course, economic economists do that through, you know, equations and applying economic tools. That's not done on uh, gut feeling. So the line that was, you know, talent was scarce. I mean, that was just being trotted out to excuse, you know, the lack of support. And now that, you know, the, the structure of the of the national team program, it's getting a lot of scrutiny with this uh, this recent success. In a way, all, you know, those, you know, dramatic wins in the ice tech in Edmonton last year, they were they were sunlight in a way. Oh, well played, Nate. You know, I think, Nate, early on it seemed uh, it was do they have the ability? And then as the talent came along, it was a question of will the will the, the stability meet the talent? Will the structure meet the talent? And at this point, I can't see it going backwards as long as that support sustains the players on the field and the influx of, of talent. Uh, it's a massive moment, uh, the World Cup uh, qualification and, and the, the kickoff that, that's going to happen. A massive moment indeed. Yeah, one, one you don't want to, you want to see it as just the beginning, especially since Canada is going to be one of the host nations of the 2026 World Cup. You know, and I don't want to be, you know, indulging any of the deep down inside uh, Scandinavian fatalism of my forebears thinking, oh, it's, you know, a wave and you're, one day you're going to look back like in eight years and and see the exact point where it broke. I do not want that. Now, as far as the World Cup being in Qatar, you know, I'll just end on a passionate plea about the value of, I guess, having conflicting hot takes concurrently, you know, I guess just juggling one in each hand. Uh, one is that, you know, this type of sport washing absolutely needs to stop, even if it means, gee, there's not as much profit to be had. Now, the second piece is just, what Jurgen Klopp said on uh, <laughs> November 5th, always remember the 5th of November, the Liverpool manager said it's far too late to be asking players and coaches on the World Cup team about this. You know, the decision was made by someone else, that being FIFA, 12 years ago in 2010. FIFA's feet needed to be put to the fire, and they weren't. All of that needs to be put on the people at the top, and you can certainly think, I'm going to watch the World Cup and enjoy it, but man, it probably should never have been put there and it should have been kept in its normal place in the calendar. That's all. Thank you, Nate. Um, Dwayne DiRosario and Brendan will both be in Qatar. Uh, they joined us ahead of this highly anticipated Canadian appearance at the World Cup to discuss DiRo's book, My Life. DiRo, My Life. Um, we will discuss aspects of the book mentioned earlier and also DiRo's professional interna and international career, which sheds light on playing for Canada and the tumultuous time he had with TFC, which he explains kind of in his own words after the fact. So lots of new information in the book that we will discuss and can't wait to bring these two on. And we're back with Dero and uh, Dwayne D. Rosario and Brendan Dunlop. We're going to talk about the book today. Nate, you have the first question. Sure. Thank you, Neil. Uh, Dwayne, uh, early in the narrative, you talk about sort of, I guess, the old days in Canadian soccer where you would want to play and others would want to play with sort of that international flair, but the coaching advice was sort of uh, lump it, lump it. So now as the current team heads the World Cup, how would you describe the Canadian style of play that's emerged in the last couple of years? Well, um, yeah, I mean, well, 
first that you know thanks for having me on on, on the program and you know a lot definitely has has changed from from then to now and you know you're looking at a team that's you know a, a electric you know a team that brings that flair has speed um and has the ability to to um compete against you know and 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 create you know opportunities through 1v1 battles you know where you know we were we were very direct at one time and you know, I think it's an exciting team to watch um, on, on many levels. I think they, it's a team that builds through the midfield. I think that's where our strength lies with this team is, is our midfield. And, um, you know, we have a, a strong group that could defend well and can attack well. And it's a good, it's a good balance that we, that we have with this group. Mm-hmm. And the, I've heard you speak of well of them, uh, the current coach, John Herdman, how much credit does he deserve for, I think, creating some cohesion in the system all the way down to the you know young players and and just making sure that the national team has the supports that a you know a first class operation deserves? Well, I'll tell you what. I mean, he's he's definitely well spoken. Um, he he has the guys believing in themselves first and foremost, and believing that they can achieve. Um, anything and and i think he's he's led that same um same energy with with the, the national program whereas maybe they would have been a little bit more reluctant to to go all in to support the the, the men's national team he's got them to buy in he's got them to to support the the professionals and make make the guys feel welcome and make them feel like pros and and the guys have responded in the way that they have that they they're qualified for World Cup and not only qualified for World Cup but qualified, you know, top of the group. And I think that's a tribute to to him having, you know, our association, our governing body, which is Canada Soccer, believe in 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 what he's trying to achieve and support him in in any way possible, whether that's financially first and foremost, and support him with the staff that he needs to accomplish what he needs to accomplish. Uh, Brendan, my question here for you is um a lot of the narrative in this book, I reread it again over the last two days, talks about uh, the, the writings about 2026 and, 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 and Dwayne looking forward to 2026, but it happened in 2022. So when how long did this writing process take and were you kind of keeping an eye on what was happening with uh, the men's team leading into this qualification round? This process was uh, was a four year deal for us, uh, five actually, um, if, if you think about the the pandemic. So, we Canada was still in the 2018 World Cup cycle actually when we started mm. this, uh, or maybe that had had just missed out on on reaching the final stage there for for uh, qualification before Russia. Um, 2022, you know, certainly wasn't on the radar for me. I, I watched this team uh, very closely all, all th- through the years that that Dwayne was there and. Um, you know, he was part of a, a real golden generation that looked like they would be close to knocking on the door and just uh, just couldn't get there. Obviously, um, Dwayne goes into real detail about um, that devastating uh, injury in, in Panama and what, it, uh, you know, how painful it was to, to watch Honduras happen and, and be helpless and, and not be be a part of that. And, you know, it's uh, in a lot of ways, it, it, it does feel like this this team is, is uh, you know, 
decades. Um, the, the difference between those teams, excuse me, is, is decades now because um, where John Herdman and this this group have been able to take things um, was unimaginable for for you know a lot of Canadians for for a long time. But it really was you know a stepping. There was stepping stones along the way. It was it's such a such a build up, um, you know, to kind of get to this point where um, talking about the the quality of play and the style of play. You know, a lot of these kids looked up to Dwayne. A lot of these these players played with flair and were in, inspired to be individualistic out there because uh, they saw that in in Dero uh, playing for Canada and, and winning MLS Cup. So it's uh it, it's been great to see for everyone who's been involved in the, in the national team program to see Canada get to this point where we all thought they could get to, where we all believed that uh, Canada would be one day um, to get there now. Maybe it is a, a little ahead of schedule, a little fast track for what we were talking about in the book and looking ahead to 2026 it's it's pretty special that we can uh, look at it this winter i want to ask you how you both came together then for this project you mentioned 2018 did you approach dero did dero approach you um how did that work out uh, brendan yeah no after Dwayne retired i i uh i mean i i always loved listening to Dwayne. i knew he had an incredible story and i i knew that when he was so you know candid and open in front of the camera um that there was a lot more behind there and uh, he was he was he was shown a lot in the you know on, on the sports desk we don't usually get uh, many Canada interviews like Dwayne's and so I, I thought there might be a little more behind that that maybe I could get out if I could uh, if I could get him to to tell his story because uh, I knew that there was there was a real special one and I think we just had we had the same maybe agent some some contacts at the time as Dwayne had just retired and was fortunate enough to uh to yeah sit down with Dwayne we met in a coffee shop uh, up in Markham where he jogged about 12 miles to come meet me <laughs> and uh, I only found Good that story. out afterwards when I when I offered to, to drive him home he's like oh, I'm just around the corner and we just kept driving and driving and <laughs> right, it was literally like 10 miles um, so he, he was uh, you know still still committed to the fitness and retirement and uh, and yeah very very committed to the project so, uh, so the, yeah just a, a few things to um, that that made it take it kind of as long as it did but we really did get a, a you know such a full full scope um uh, of, of Dwayne in, in retirement to uh, to really you know kind of com- complete uh and, and well round the story um when it when it did come out in march of 2021 I, I do i do believe uh, he, he uh, you know he, i might have thought okay maybe you're exaggerating but in the book he writes about or you write about how Dwayne's in san jose and his teammates are driving uh, their car to the practice facility and he's they're driving by him jogging to the practice facility or biking to the practice bicycle facility. yeah 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 so i believe it <laughs> although it, there's winter here we don't have the same weather so hopefully he wasn't in the winter um, <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but but i gotta Dwayne. i mean it must have been uh I mean, to trust someone with your story like this, it must have been, I mean, what were you looking uh, from Brendan for? Were you, were you, you know, kind of gauging him, seeing what he could do to, did you want your voice to be told in a certain way, you know, that type of thing? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, first, I think the timing of it was, 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 was very vital because I would just retired. I was going through a lot through with my retirement, my family, my father so it was just like just this whole bunch of emotion that i was holding in and as as i as i uh met brendan i think i'm we kind of crossed paths before um and when the opportunity came and we sat down at that coffee shop i got a feel for him I, I, i felt you know here's a genuine guy really you know appreciates what i was what i've done for for the country for the game and I just felt comfortable. He, he made me feel comfortable. And, and as soon as I started to tell my story, 
I will start to open up and I was, it was like very therapeutic for me. It was, it was mm. really something I, I was looking forward to. And there were sessions, he can tell you that we had to just stop because I couldn't go, I couldn't, you know, I couldn't emotionally go on. Like, you know, I had to take like, you know, a few days and just kind of like, do I want to tell that story and then kind of, you know, get some, some advice and, but as I started to open up and tell my story, there's a lot of in that book that a lot of people didn't know I went through. A lot of my teammates and a lot of my colleagues, my coaches right. didn't know that I was going through a lot of these things as a player. And I used the sport to channel that, those emotions and those frustrations and all the things I was going through. And I felt like here I was again at the end of my career now going through very similar emotions in a different, in a different, uh, a more mature setting needing mm. to to release some of it you know and and realizing how much i was holding on to and how much we as athletes use our vehicles which is our sport as you know as an outlet but it's not necessarily you know dealing with the core of the situation core of the situation and i was very fortunate that you know brendan came at that time and allowed me to you know create space where i could just let it all out on the table and then i'm just like dude i'm just gonna i'm gonna be all over the place and just take it and he eloquently just put the whole piece of that whole puzzle together um and he said you know it was four and a half years or something of constantly meeting and this mm -hmm. is this is like four years of just therapy of just letting my whole childhood and through on through you know out on the table and i trusted him i trusted him because i felt that um well he's a genuine guy he's a good guy and and he, you know, we, we shared a lot of stories that were very similar for, from from our upbringing and childhood, and just for the common love of the game and sport. So, um, it was it was for me it was it was very easy to to tell my story. Yeah, wow, um, Brendan. When you hear that, have you, had you heard that? Uh, have you guys been asked that in an interview yet? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's it's always pretty special because obviously, you know, I, I cheered on Dwayne from the stands and watched on TV, and uh, and you know, was a. a a real fan of, uh, of Dwayne De Rosario as a player, and getting to know the man was uh, was really special because you know there's someone who's who's never lost that um, commitment to uh, his community um, through you know all all the highs and and all the you know the lows that can come with it as well. Um, he's uh, very dedicated to, to growing the game in this country and, and always flies that flag for Scarborough. And yeah. So I'm uh, I'm I'm glad that uh, you know he gets to do that now as an ambassador for for Canada at the World Cup. Well. Speaking of Scarborough, is I just I, when I was rereading it, I, I started looking and I looked at like uh, the uh, I forget the name of the breakdance crew. It's, it's slipping my mind right now. But I looked at and I see Jedi in there, and I'm like, I, I just talked to Jedi last week, so I was like, this this is amazing. I hey, you whole, know Chris? I know I you know what I don't even know his first name. I just know him as Jedi. He actually uh, worked really? across. The, yes, supernatural. Uh, yeah, supernatural. So I said, oh, you got to give me some Nardwar st type questions to ask Dwayne he said all I know is he had a wicked reggae collection and he always dressed super fly so I said and he said he was friends with your brother actually uh, my, uh, yes so. well him and my brother really started um, well it was like three of three of them that really spearheaded that crew but uh, you know small world man wow wow that's crazy <laughs> well yeah so so the, the the question leads into or the point leads into uh the scarborough that's described off the top i i don't think i was telling nate i mean other than perdita felicianne's book i mean we cover a lot of books um but just reading that kind of contemporary history of an athlete 
uh, in Canada, someone that's kind of our age. It was it was riveting. I loved it. I read it, read it for the second time, and I wanted to ask you, um, uh, Brendan, and, and you can uh, jump in if you want, Dwayne. Just the I, you know, the way you you, you wrote about Scarborough. It's 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 vibrant. It's, it's a little bit vicious, and it's really vivid. So. Brendan, tell me about, I know you have a little bit of experience living in Scarborough as well. So was it just, was it really relatable to you when he was relaying that for you to just type it out? Or how was that, how did that process come about? I think I, I think I always knew that our Scarborough experiences were different. I lived mm-hmm. there for 10 years um, and, and getting to know Dwayne realizing, you know, he, he grew up uh, less than three kilometers away from, from where I'd lived. And um, it was light years away. It was miles away, you know, two, two different, different countries. Those, those experiences are uh, very, very different. Um, and I just knew how much kind of the community really like really meant to him. I think I did resonate and relate certainly with the intersections uh, also being someone who stood at, waiting for the bus at kennedy station that never came mm-hmm. i feel like I, I could relate to that knowing <laughs> knowing that you were trying to get to warden station before they ran out of patties at 9 p.m i definitely <laughs> could relate to the, the, that experience um you know but there was a, a lot of things in, in the way that Dwayne explains explains what he went through and what it was like to truly grow up there and how that shaped him as a as a person and, and really you know um, as a player, uh, a lot of contributions to to his his mental game as a player as well, and so to just dive in and, and explore that was uh, was really special for me because, as I said off the top, you know I always knew there was a, a little more there under the surface, a, a lot more there under the surface, and uh, there aren't too many athletes that peel the curtain back as as much as Dwayne did and are as open as honest as, as Dwayne was. So it was important for me to to make sh- you know sure. Uh, Dwayne's voice was the very much the only voice you 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 heard from from front to back. You know, we we do speak differently a little bit, but it was uh, <laughs> getting to spend as much time with him as I did. I, I felt like I was able to uh, to capture that. And when it came to uh, you know making sure his his dad was saying um, the, the, the right. uh, Guyanese phrases that he was uh, they were as authentic <laughs> right. as possible. I, I made sure that uh, that all of those all of those got in there. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for me, I just I just really wanted to to capture the authenticity of my, you know, my experience. And a, a lot of people don't know, and this is it's, it's an unfortunate statistic, and it's not one that I'm proud of. Is that, you know, there's hundreds of thousands of families currently right now uh, under the poverty line, living under the poverty line, and in Canada, in Toronto, and and it's growing rapidly, and. Um, you know, with the high cost of living and taxes and stuff, there's more and more families that are struggling. And this is has been um, the reality for, for me growing up in a single family home of, of, of immigrants. And yes, you know, we've had a lot of great stories that, you know, I, I would love to say I'm part of those great stories. But we have also, you know, traumatic stories and, and, and ones that we face on a daily and you know, some of the experiences that I've I've told in my book is is ones that I'm not most proud of. But at the time, it was like we we're a band of brothers, and mm. if one, you know, did something, we all backed them. And right, wrong, or indifferent, it felt like that was the that was my that was our family. That was the guys we can trust. It takes a, a strong mentality to step away from that. It takes a strong mentality to say, you know what. I'm going to go on this crazy soccer journey that's that 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 we didn't have no pro pro teams we didn't have soccer was not respected at all in this country you only got it on soccer saturday you yeah. have it was you know you don't have cable you didn't have internet and wi-fi and all these things you know so soccer soccer um attraction was very limited 
especially in these communities. But one thing that was common was in these communities is where I had the most joy playing soccer because all of us came from, you know, fo footballing countries, you know, and that's why I always grew up calling it football because, you know, my parents called it football. All the all the kids in these, um, you know, fir first generation Canadians are coming from places that we all call it football. So, you know, and and that was the, that was a neighborhood sport, you know. And then we took on basketball and played. We did play street hockey and stuff like that. Obviously, mm -hmm. we didn't play ice hockey because we didn't have the money to pay for ice time and stuff like that. And right, you know. But um, that was my experience, and and I'm glad that uh, you know Brandon really captured that experience and i think the reader as you mentioned you really were able to you know and and those who grew up as car would say you know what i know exactly what this guy's talking about yeah hmm. for sure yeah, that's what it felt like go ahead nate and Dwayne, i just wondered on two different levels what do you hope that your story does for someone who who has that passion and drive as maybe a first generation canadian but also what it explains about that experience to you know I don't know, just say a guy like me who grew up out in the country across from a cow pasture. Yeah, you, you know what? It's, 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 I think it's relative across all levels. Everyone goes through their own struggles. It doesn't have to be, you don't have to be an inner city kid, metro housing kid. You could just be someone that just, you know, grow, grow up and, you know, your, your parents maybe don't support your dream. Or it could be so many different obstacles that we all face. And I just want it to be uh, utilized as a vehicle of motivation to say, hey, if this guy could overcome that, I can overcome it and become someone too, you know, or wow, look at how fortunate I am. Look at the blessings I have. And I should be grateful for what I have. You know, now I should elevate, try to elevate myself so I could, you know, help my family take it to the next level. So, and it's not only just at the youth level, it's, it's you know, for adults as well, right? We all go through difficult moments in, in our life. I went through mine when I was, you know, I had to face retirement and I had to, to reinvent myself. I had to find everything that I used to release my stress and my anger and frustrations, everything I was going through was utilized through, through football. So now I had to find a new vehicle. And, you know, so it, it, I just, I just hope that the, the message is, is that, you know, it, you, you can always become um, whatever you want. Yeah. And, and, and it's only yourself that's going to stop you. Your limitations are going to come from your, your mind and, 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 how much do you want to put in the work you want to put in and what are you willing to sacrifice to, to accomplish uh, that goal in a positive way? Mm -hmm. And and how much it, was it important to you know, like share things like of those experiences you went through, especially when you have that saying, which I immediately scribbled down was that fear kills more dreams than failure ever will. Like how important was it to be open in order to, you know, to uh, sell that, you know, viewpoint? Yeah, especially today, we look at uh, what's happening with a lot of our youth right now and the violence that's going on in the city. Um, you know, it's it's needed, man. These kids need to to have an outlet. You know, violence on the rise while we're we're, we're talking about programs getting cut and and you know, it's so it's 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 we gotta find a way to to bridge that gap where where these kids constantly have healthy environments and programs where they could release some of their frustrations and anger and make them feel like you know there there's there's a there's an environment where they can be heard and and express themselves and you know and 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 find comfort in that and and instead of you know the violent outlet because it only just creates more problems more 
um, and 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 no solutions really. Um, uh, of course, the only solution really comes from when you're sitting, wondering why you did what you did over a course of t the the time, and then you reflect and you want to give back and try to help others. But the the deeds already done, and you can't take that back. And that's that's the unfortunate thing. So uh, hopefully, I could help you know some of these youth to see um, before they get into a situation that they they can't turn back from. Hmm. Uh, Brendan, if if someone uh, from a major soccer playing country in Europe, South America, or Africa asked you to explain where Dwayne Di Rosario fits into the pantheon of Canadian soccer, what, what would you say to them? Oh man, uh, he's uh, he's up there. You know, talking about uh, this team that's going to Qatar in 2022. Um, uh, you don't have a lot of the the, the players, uh, I think, on that side. Um, get to some of the heights they got to without having someone to look up to like like Dwayne Di Rosario he you know he was really a, a pioneer uh, an MLS godfather um was was uh rightfully named one of the 25 greatest players in, in major league soccer history in their 25th year and um you know just someone that really inspired like uh, an entire generation an, an absolute game changer I'm talking about the access when Dwayne grew up and how you know you didn't have live matches on tv just mm. had Graham Leggett Soccer Saturday on TSN to watch, maybe get yeah. some highlights. So you're watching games from a week before. You watch them on delay yeah. and usually in a different language. The access now, you know, uh, if if uh, as Canadians we we only really got to see MLS because of Dwayne, right? MLS was only on the map because of Dwayne, and if he took them to a final, you knew you had to watch because he was probably going to score and get an MVP award, and this team was going to win. So um, you know, he put MLS on the map before it came north. Yeah, and, uh, and then he got to uh, play in his hometown. I know it was it was really special to him, and uh, obviously the first stint didn't end the way that he wanted it to. But uh, I love how you know detailed and honest he was about what that was like. And and uh, you know from the outside, we only really saw one side of the story as that was going on. And uh, to hear Dwayne's side of the story and and you know understand the man how uh, emotional he is and how how personal that uh, that was. It was uh, it was you know amazing to. to hear that in his own words and, and see that story. And then of course, to see him get the chance to, you know, come back and, and retire as a Toronto FC player on a completely different note. Well, you know, I'm glad you brought up TFC. I was going to ask about it later. Um, I, you know, I'm not going to consider myself a diehard. I'm a sports fan. I work in sports. I'm not a diehard TFC fan or MLS fan, but I do remember, you know, if I look at the chronology of what I know about soccer in this country, it was watching Graham Leggett and then, hearing about the odd uh you know toronto links or or whatever game and then uh maybe some names float around my head like justin fashionu or something sticks in my head i'm not oh, even wow. sure why what um, a name yeah of all but, the names but yeah but but then it's Dwayne, right so uh i wanted to know you know because i i am the casual observer i mean i guess Dwayne, you could a a answer this it's you know how much of that TFC story was known until this book? Because I'm looking back at it, I'm reading it today, and it seems like it should have been the perfect fit, which I do remember as a casual fan thinking. But then it comes down to, like, Precky, it looks like, and disorganization, and the slight is not being a designated player. So was it those three factors, uh, Dwayne, that came together to kind of derail what could have been? Yeah, I think a little more than that. Um you know, there was a lot of factors that came into place. It was, listen, it was the, the sole purpose of me coming to Toronto was to to bring my city the success that I was very fortunate to have in, in, in the other cities I played. 
and and to um, to play out my career, whatever it was, seven, eight years here. Um, it wasn't really planned to leave, but I just felt at the time, as I said, it said in the mention in the book that I don't think the organization was ready for that. You know, I think they were still trying to fill out the league and, you know, success seemed so far away and the winning was like, you know, where I was just like, no, I want to win like now. <laughs> you know, right. I, And this is what we need to do. We need to get rid of this turf. We need to build this stadium properly. You know, we need to treat this professional. Whereas, you know, I was coming into to a leaving environment that was that, that's what it was. It was very professional. It was very advanced, you know, um, in the U.S. And I was just tired of that narrative, you know, going to the U.S. and U.S. always does it better. And I'm like, we got to we got we got to fix that, you know, especially in soccer. You know, um, we got to do we got to do it better. I mean, we couldn't train because um, people had like fr- 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 frisbee and or flag football and you know not taking away from yoga on, on our field when we're supposed to be training we have to go all the way to oakville or cherry beach to train and we have a field right here right. <laughs> we couldn't feel because it was rented out right. so those type of things were just it just got to me over over time and then you know i think you know um it was we, me and Preki definitely bumped heads a few times. I think there was a little bit of competition there, mm-hmm. definitely. You know, with with us, that was just, you know. I, and then when Aaron Vinter came in, I think that was the straw, as they say, that broke the camel's back because I had a chance to go to Celtic and they refused that offer and Celtic really wanted me and, you know, it, they just wanted me for 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 loan till till May and if thing if I did well, um, they would they would want to sign me and. You know, as we know in this league, it doesn't, you know, May is like a month in, you know, and, mm. and for not have giving me that opportunity where I think I deserved, you know, bringing, bringing this the TFC their first two trophies in their history, you know, and, and having that fight to go to a preseason start. It wasn't about the preseason, more so there was a bigger opportunity that, that was there for me, right? Sitting on my, you know, this team really wanted me. And they played Barcelona that Champions League. Mm-hmm. And I'm sitting, you know, I'm sitting watching it on TV, and I'm like, man, I could have been there, you know. Right. So it was it, it, that was a tough, very tough decision to 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 um, step away. Um, but I, I felt it was one that was needed. Um, and to answer your question, does, did everyone hear this side of the story? No, I think that was the first time in that book that mm-hmm. uh, I explained exactly my side of that story. Because when I moved, I was just so my heart was so broken. And, and I was so uh, like angry at at um, a lot of levels that you know I just kind of left it alone and said let me go after and I, but again I channeled all that anger and that frustration I ended up winning MVP that same year. Right. Yeah, that's also a theme in the book too, right? You love playing against your old teams and um, you you know you, you got you channel you channel that fire. Um, so but where that first becomes evident in the book is when you are in a friend's basement and the narrative starts with you get uh shot i don't want to, i know it wasn't you know you got shot in the eye i mean was 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 that the known as well no no a lot of people didn't know i was playing my career that's something i just never spoke about it's just something that i kept to myself uh, and my family and and i never really because the thing is in sports right when when you say you have this you, you have this trauma or, you know, physical trauma. Anything that happens, they're going to say, oh, is this because... And I never wanted that. 
you know, I never mm-hmm. wanted that weighing over my head. And, you know, I played many times where it's just like, you know, my, my vision in my left, in my eye just went, you know, cloudy. And I just mm-hmm. like, damn, I was like, you know, so I had to pretty much learn to, to get around that and play through that. Um, but no, none of my teammates knew that. And I have actually ha- had calls and I've seen players today that I play with. They say, man, I write your book and I didn't know that, man. I was your teammate <laughs> the whole time. You know? I was like, right. it's just a past that I just wanted to keep in the past, you know? Right. And, and, and was that, um, I mean, first of all, I have two questions leading up to that before I let Nate jump in. First of all, how is that eye today? Cause you mentioned that after you hit 30, it got worse. So how is it today? Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's cataract, I have a glass lens on it now. Um, you know, I constantly gotta, gotta, you know, get it checked up, but you know, it's just one of those things where it's gonna, you know, it's it's there, and it's it's just that constant reminder to to you know, for 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 me. But um, you know, thankfully I can still see out of it. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the mo- most important thing. It's not the, it's not the most clear, but hey, it's it's right. grateful. It's a lot more than a lot of people have. And 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 in that, that's a really interesting part in the book too, uh, uh, which you can probably uh, Brendan mentioned to Nate when he asked the next question. But you know, there, you're talking about like the the what describing how you you get a feel for the game you're you're compensating right and then like i think there was something in there about the back heel and hearing footsteps behind just like i don't know if that was tight that was really fascinating yes you know it's just um i don't i don't want to say want to say this by sound anyway but you know it's like when you just eat sleep breathe the game um you just you just take it to another level and you just, you just senses kind of take over. Like people ask you, what do you think when I took that shot, when that free kick, what do you think when I did that bicycle kick? What do you think when you did that? It's like, I wasn't, I just went with my instinct. I just, my, my, my energy, my vibe in the moment just said, let's do it. And I said, okay, let's do it. I never questioned, you know, you know, where some would, would, what's the saying with some dare to do some some won't and if you you know if you don't dare to try you won't you won't succeed something like that so you know i i always tried i always tried and trust me not all the time (laughs) it went up i got some some real um comic reels that me trying things and it didn't work out the way it did (laughs) but thankfully in the big games it managed to work amazing yeah and and brendan for yourself uh, uh obviously nice touch uh on the book and the way it was handled what were i guess sometimes writing is writing around things until you get there what were the what were the challenges that you faced as a you know i guess here as a first time you know full-length book writer yeah um time for one i guess so i i I do uh you know i think Dwayne and i would both say if we look back on it there's uh, some things that uh that we would have done differently and 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 uh maybe got it out and a different timeline, but I really think you know it would have been a different book. Um, you know, Dwayne in, in retirement uh, really went through a lot, and, and I do think that the that you know the universe. That's part two. Just, that's part two. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's for the sequel. <laughs> that's uh, that's yeah. Dero Dos, we'd call that one. Ah, we nice. Have that in Spanish as well. Mm. Um, uh, but I do think that you know uh, everything happens for a reason, and the universe has a, has a funny way about that. And um, I was doing late night highlight shows, and uh, I had I realize in this process that uh i have a real creative affinity for for writing between the hours of two and nine a.m um so that's when i did 90 percent of this book actually between uh, between two and nine a.m but um you know i didn't really have to write around a lot because Dwayne gave me so much if anything it was it was uh, just trying to to find where some stories fit and uh, i think there was a as you know as a as a 
journalist and someone in sports media, there was a quite a few things that I, I think I asked Dwayne a few times. You sure you want to say this? Are we, are we comfortable with this? So look, I know this is from the heart, and you always, uh, you know, right. uh, everything's uncensored. But are we sure we want to say it, say it like this, this way. And I think that's what makes it really special is that you know that Dwayne, uh, Dwayne. Um, it, it's so open and honest um, and then said things that uh, a lot of athletes, you know, wouldn't and then tell stories in a way that was just really honest and authentic to him and important that uh, those are those stories that, that got out and, and said things in, in his own words um, in a lot of ways for, for the very first time, having never had the opportunity before. So. Mm-hmm. And I think I don't I think you have some company in the uh, writing into the wee hours. Uh, Howard Bryan, I heard we had a, about a couple months ago and he talked about that. He writes in the middle of the night and somehow keeps a normal schedule. Now, two, two people you mentioned in the acknowledgments whom, whom I wanted to ask about. Uh, how did Dan Robson as a fellow Canadian writer and two time guest of this program and uh, Nikki Bandini, who is a soccer writer in the UK? How did how did they sort of help you find the uh, through line in, the, in this book yeah no that's great i'm glad you brought that up um nikki was the the first person that i knew that had written a, a book um uh, an autobiography with an, another player uh, nikki had done a book with the um sporting kansas city goalkeeper um welcome to hell and um i just felt like uh, you know i needed i needed someone to that I could have a beer with and, and kind of uh, explain what the, the rope was like, um, what that road was like. I, I don't know if when we first uh, went for coffee in London on one of my many soccer watching trips over there, whether um, Dwayne and I had, had met and begun the project or I had just had the idea. I think it was probably early. Maybe I had one session with, with Dwayne or I had finally uh, had found the contact and knew that I wanted to make this elevator pitch to Dwayne. Uh, but I wanted to know what the process was like. So um, Nikki showed me showed me the ropes and and uh, and um, kind of laid out what it what it would look like, what that process was like um, in Kansas City. And then Dan Robson was a, a colleague at, at Sportsnet, and I think at the time that he had done the Clint Malarchuk book um, mm-hmm. that had just come out, and uh, we went for beers, and I just he just allowed me to ask him 10 million questions, uh, you know, and be a, a real student because I was uh, I was a nobody. There's a there's a lot of things on YouTube, and you can learn pretty much anything on TikTok, but no one seems to uh, do TikToks and uh, YouTube tutorials on how to write an autobiography with a legendary sports hero. <laughs> so that was something I had to learn on my own. And thankfully, uh, between Nikki and Dan, I got a lot of advice and pointed the, in the right direction. Nate? Yeah, of course. And just, uh, Dwayne, some, something that, you know, we obviously with the uh, run to the World Cup, Something that you know peaked us. So that was a big story a few months ago. Was obviously the national team. You had to walk, you know, briefly walk down in an equal pay dispute. I just wonder how much you know, looking in the long run to twenty two through this World Cup and the next cycle to twenty twenty six. How much is you know Canada be having the success? Uh, maybe you know, looking at this in win win terms, maybe going to put attention on the problems and lead to them being ironed out, or at least help the public understand you know what what the players want to need to have here oh man that's a loaded question <laughs> it is a loaded question yeah and I, and I completely like you know probably tripped i set them up for asking it. I, I take the blame on that <laughs> you know it's um well at first i salute the players for for putting that aside um i mean it's a tough one it's a tough timing to be dealing with it right you have world cup coming up this is your this is a dream come true for any player to play in a world cup so it's not that you could boycott the world cup i mean 
it's it's you, you can't do that right uh, i mean you can but you, you, you don't want to do that you <laughs> right you work no, you too can. hard your whole life to, to experience this moment experience this moment and you know now after how they're going to manage that um it's going to be it's going to be it, it could be a rocky road if, if it's not managed correct uh, properly um but hey you know what this is a new time it's it's a, it's a it's a new time in sports it's a new time for soccer and you know it's 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 one of those where you know you, you we have to step up as a country um and we have to be accounted for we there's no more pointing the fingers of you know how come we don't do well in concaf and you know the players going well we're not supported well we really what does that mean well it boils down to financial right we mm -hmm. like i said earlier it's I think we're finally supported in this in this go round, and I think that's because of the strength of Herzman. He really got the association believing in what they were doing. They traveled like pros. They felt like pros. They felt um, a part of something special. They are a part of something special, and we have to build on that. There's no turning back now. There's no going back from that. It's 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 what can we do to 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 now, you know, make it past the for group stages now? What can we do to to be a serious competitor? And um, with that, it's going to require a lot of funding. And thankfully, to 2026 on the horizon is going to is going to require a lot of investment in the growth of the game, starting from the grassroots level. And hopefully, I could speak in Ontario. Hopefully, we find a common ground where there's not three or four different leagues. Everybody's you know banding together and and for for the greater good of the growth of the sport and 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 unifying to say, okay, this is this is the structure that. We're, we're we're doing in a competitive market and this is the structure we're doing for the non-competitive market because not every kid wants to go to to take the game to the next level and they just want to play the sport for fun but we need a a, a viable um, resource for the kids now that are pushing now that want to you know take the game to the next level that are serious about this sport we need um, a strong infrastructure and everyone back in that um, moving forward so i think 2026 is going to bring a lot of growth to the game and in so many aspects and um you know i'm just excited to to, to see that unfold you know it, it's it's interesting because if you read the book for those that read the book you can really kind of see you know what what uh kind of what they're fighting for now and there's a great part in the book where dero and brendan you write about as dero jumps onto the national team for the first time and then uh, immediately the players are telling them you know hey this isn't working out the way we want to we need to you know I guess a a better system, and then Dero, you jump in in solidarity and uh, with these guys, and and you said that later led to probably the cohesion that that resulted in the gold cup, right? Yeah, I mean a lot of people don't know. Before we won that gold cup, we were about to go on strike <laughs> as players. We mm -hmm. were gonna we we're gonna boycott that boycott that gold cup. Like I'm talking like two days, three days before, <laughs> the president himself had to come and 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 talk to us. So you know. Call it what you will. For me, I think that was the turning point for our team because we all stood together. We all, well, besides maybe one, but I'm, <laughs> not, I'm not gonna call no names, but <laughs> you know. But um, you know, but the majority of us stood together, and we and we did it, man. We 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 did it, in, you know, in in a, you know, the way these guys are winning, won the won the concaf, you know, in in a in a fashionable way. And um, and I truly believe that, you know, 
that was that was a big part of our success. Yeah. Brandon, can I just quickly jump in? You know, sure. you've covered, probably covered this for like what when when the casual fan says, "Hey, what what what's what is this battle about? What 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 would you say in a sentence? Hey, what what is this about?" This is about not learning from the lessons of the past. That's exactly what I would say. In the book, uh, Dwayne speaks about you know how unique it is in Canada that he has the same experiences and, and can tell some of the same stories of the generations before him and mm. someone like Alex Bunbury and then the guys he's played with and someone who's still playing Atiba Hutchinson, um, uh, Julian de Guzman would have kind of been in that same chapter and new players now who's on the team, Jonathan Osorio might be one of the, the last uh, Canadian national teammates that, that uh, Dwayne would have had Dwayne um, Oso mm. and Atiba of course. And now these new players and Alfonso Davies and, even younger than it than Alfonso Davies is Ishmael Kone. In other countries, the, you don't have the same type of stories. Think there's there's a there's a change there's mm -hmm. a there's an evolution there's a, some sometimes there's some maybe some bad things that happen, but you don't have identical stories across generations like that. And I think what we've seen so rapid in Canada is this elevation of the game on the pitch, uh, off the pitch necessarily that hasn't. Um, it certainly hasn't gone at that that same level. Has hasn't you know improved or advanced at that at that same level. Uh, and I really think that there were you know some some lessons and examples in the past that um, uh, Canada soccer didn't uh, learn from. Um, and wasn't able to. There's a lot, lot of reasons why. Um, but really, uh, seeing the professionalization of the program under John Herdman, um, you're seeing just a, a, a few things from the the admin side and, and things that weren't taken care of previously um, that have uh, you know cropped up at a, a point now where. Um, that this kind of group of players want to see that things are are different for the future. That you don't have multi generations telling the exact same stories about what it was like playing for the national team. That it's completely different in a, in a, a much better and smoother context. Mm. And Dwayne, speaking speaking of the future, as as we're recording this, I have a friend who's just about to become a first time father. But I I, I noticed uh, you've, you know the the Dero United Football Academy just had its tenth anniversary. And I'm looking at the ages of, you know, your son, Sosaze, 21-year-old forward, and Adisa, who I think is an 18-year-old goalkeeper. I guess how much did a desire for them to have, have you know, structured development around them, how much was that an inspiration to, to start the start the academy? Um, huge. I mean, I think I just, I just want to get, I want to give back away to, to my community in a way that um, could leave a legacy for, for for kids to take their game to the next level. Again, I, I did the academy because I, I saw an opportunity there and I saw a lack of, of, of you know, taking the game to the next level at the, at the, at the youth level. Um, some people were doing it okay. Some people were not doing it so good. And I really just wanted to, you know, create a legacy piece more so for my father because I, he was he was my he was my coach and I think he, he's 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 very he was very knowledgeable of the game and um, you know for me he always had to you know work under someone else's watch so I wanted to create an environment where you know he had to say you know he mm. he did things his way in the way that he he saw the game and he saw the game for me far better than a lot of people even in even in my um football experiences um 
so it was it was important for me to to create an environment for him that he can do like i said do his thing and 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 structure and run the academy uh, as well as to create an environment for um, kids that want to take the game to the next level that they have a, a, a platform to to showcase and and to learn the game at a high level and um and in and, and a different way not just playing the game but also thinking the game and understanding the game um at, at a more complex level i'm gonna i'm gonna close this out by a quick lightning round for dero i know you guys have been on the phone for a while or on the call for a while so i appreciate that quick lightning round for dero here and then uh one last question so dero i know you're you know just like jedi said you're a big reggae dancehall fan so um i want to ask you just you pick one or the other super cat or beanie man oh you gotta go with super cat i like that answer i knew Could you were gonna say that <laughs> Hey Brendan, do you want to pick? You uh, want to pick I, on these? I think people? I'm going with Beanie. No offense. Oh no! Beanie, yeah. Really? Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. Uh, Buju or Shaba? Oof, man. Um, Shaba. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I say Buju. Okay. Okay. And finally, I know the answer to this, but Bob Marley or Peter Tosh? Oh man, you can't do that, man. That's, you can't. You can't go there. You can't go there. You have to, uh, You can't. It's a draw. That. It's a yeah, draw. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 definitely a draw, man. Because oh man, that's a tough well, one. Well, I'll <laughs> tell you, what, what would be the soccer player's equivalent of that question? Meaning, like, all, like is it, is that like Messi versus like Pele or? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe Dero, you could you could answer that. What is the Bob Marley or Peter Tosh equivalent in soccer? Well, I mean, it's it's hard not to mention Messi. It's hard not to mention Cristiano Ronaldo. It's you know, it's it's hard. like I mean, these guys are what they've done year after year consistently speaks volume. But you know, it's hard. You can't overlook the contributions of Pele, Maradona. Um, mm. You know, uh, George Best. Um, you're right there though you're in the right lane it'd be like uh you know remove messi from the equation at psg and choose between mbappe and neymar and that's that's <laughs> wow. marley and, and peter tosh yeah well category. i i do want to say for playing that quick rapid fire uh Dwayne, we've got you a 25 dollars store credit at play to record and, no. <laughs> yeah and i have two tickets well one each for the both of you for an upcoming screening of drop the needle uh, which is the documentary I just co-produced about Play the Record. So Are you, you guys let me know when you want to go, and I'll get you a ticket. Are okay? you serious? Yes. Yeah, um, man. I have actually actually saw that the other day, man. You went? No, if I knew it was going on, I would have went for sure. <laughs> There's more screenings coming up. I know this podcast is supposed to be about you guys, but now I'm going to make it about me. Please no, do, I, yeah, man. <laughs> so I'll get you guys tickets, Brendan. I'll, I'll give you the link, okay? I'd love um, that, yeah. Okay, uh, last thing, and uh, we can close out, is in the book, and we didn't talk about your short, uh, uh, or I guess it was a short time, but your time at AC Milan, which is kind of a, a tough spot for you as well. And uh, Let me know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Is, is it Edgar Davids or Edgar Davids? Yeah, Edgar Davids, yeah. Davids. Edgar Davids, he said, you're a Canadian kid, you don't belong here. And you said, you wrote in the book, most of the world thought that way and still does. I want to know, and you can both answer, what will they think after Qatar? Well, I mean, I don't think they'd even have to go as far as Qatar. I think right now we can see what 
kids like Alfonso Davies is doing, Jonathan David's doing, um, you know, what Atiba's done, um, you know, Buchanan. Like, these are forces to be reckoned with right now. Um, and, and the future just holds so much limitless opportunities, you know. Um, and we don't, like I said, we don't have to go to Qatar. I think Canada is now on the map of soccer, folks. And we have to accept that here in this country. So we have to start filling our stores and filling our images with Canadian players. You know, it's not, yeah, it's good to see Messi, but we need to start seeing Atiba up there. We need to start seeing Jonathan Davey up there. We need to see, you know, more Alfonso Davies, you know, uh, and, and, you know, our heroes, our local heroes. Mm-hmm. Let's start putting our heroes in our stores so the kids could, could, could see them every day. Yeah, let's celebrate our own. That's something that uh, Dwayne echoes in the book a lot. I think it's Canadians and we just don't, we just don't do very well celebrating our own and giving uh, giving people their, their flowers when it's deserved so we can you know start start with what you know start with what you're in and in terms of soccer now it's about uh, putting that spotlight and putting that shine on on the players that are that are doing it and are, are playing at the highest level and winning club championships in in Europe uh, on some of the biggest teams and now uh, and against some of the, the best players in the world and now we're playing against the best players in the world in, in Qatar at the World Cup I know you're both headed there and you took time uh, before you fly out. So again, I got a lot out of this book. I know Nate did too. I really appreciate your uh, time this Tuesday evening and thank you for uh, being on Sports Lit. I appreciate you guys. Thank you.